Welcome to the Wagner Ministries International Podcast. As you listen to this message, our prayer is that you would be motivated and empowered to follow Christ and lead others to Him. Enjoy. It's so exciting to be able to preach to you today from the book of Acts. You know, the book of Acts is a monumental book of such significance, it's kind of like preaching on God creating the earth or the history of the world. Well, let's start at the beginning to quote Julie Andrews from The Sound of Music, because that's a very good place to start. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Those are the first two verses of the book of Acts, and we're not going to get past these verses today. There's so much in these verses that it's going to take all of today to get through just them. The book of Acts is book two of a two-part series written by Dr. Luke. The Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts are written by the same man and to the same audience. Acts is a sequel to Luke like Iron Man 2 is to Iron Man or like Catching Fire is to The Hunger Games. In the Gospel, Luke shows Jesus as the Son of Man who came to die for our sins. In Acts, Luke shows Jesus as the Son of God coming in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Gospel tells us of the crucified and risen Savior. Acts shows us Jesus as the ascended and exalted Lord and leader. The Gospel declares Christ's teaching. In Acts, we see the effects of His teachings on the apostles and the things they did. In short, it's like Luke summed it up himself when he says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. In book one, Luke showed what Jesus began to do and to teach. In Acts, Luke shows what Jesus continued to do by the Holy Spirit through his disciples. And this is a key point. Sometimes the book of Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles. But this is something of a misnomer because what the book is really about from start to finish is the Acts of the Holy Spirit working through the Apostles. You know, the book of Acts is a book of power. And that's one of the reasons why it's a scary book to preach on. Because it's like tinkering with a time bomb, waiting to explode any minute. And I hope it does. I pray that as the weeks go by and as we come in contact with the power of God in Acts, that that same Holy Ghost power may be unleashed in our lives and change our families and transform our communities to the glory of God. The book of Acts is secondarily a book about two mighty men of God, Peter and Paul. The first 12 chapters are generally devoted to Peter, the last 16 to Paul. But the book of Acts is primarily about a person, the Holy Spirit, who is every bit as much God as Jesus Christ or the Father is. Oh, the book of Acts is exciting. The Holy Spirit falling in power on Pentecost. The first sermon and altar call ever. Peter healing the crippled man at the gate called Beautiful. Ananias and Sapphira and the judgment of God. The stoning of Stephen. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Saul on the Damascus road. And that's only the first third of the book. Let me tell you something. I am excited about what God wants to do in your lives in the next few months as we journey through Acts. When I get reminded of all these exciting acts of God, 
I have trouble holding myself back. I want to get to them all right away. But first things first, I will discipline myself today to get back to verse 1. So let's just see who this Luke is. It's always helpful to know a little bit about the author of a book before you read it. It helps you know where the book's coming from and where it's going, and more importantly, the spirit behind it. For instance, it's helpful to know that L. Ron Hubbard, the author of the book Dianetics, which is the sacred scripture of the Church of Scientology, a non-Christian cult, it's helpful to know that he was a less than successful science fiction writer before he broke through big time in religion. It's helpful to know that C.S. Lewis was a born-again believer in Jesus when he wrote one of the classic children's books of all time, which has since been made into a successful movie, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And it's helpful for us to know that Luke, the author of Acts, is mentioned three other times in the Bible. We learn something of his faith and character through these references. In Philemon 23 and 24, Paul writes this, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Luke was a companion with Paul while he was under house arrest in Rome at the end of his life. In Colossians 4.14, Paul writes this, Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Ah, yes, the beloved physician. Luke was a first-century doctor, trained under the same Hippocratic oath that countless other physicians through the centuries have been trained under. We see traces of his physician's heart in Luke and Acts. These books, more than any others, focus on Jesus and the apostles' healings. They also include some technical scientific terms that indicate Luke's knowledge of his field. Luke was a Gentile, a non-Jew from either Philippi in modern-day Greece or Antioch in modern-day Syria, just north of Israel. Either way, he was the only non-Jew, the only Gentile, to write a book of the Bible. And he wrote two. In fact, Luke's two books make up about a quarter of the whole New Testament, more than Paul's 13 letters, more than John's Gospel, three letters, and Revelation. Think how impoverished we would be without Dr. Luke's contributions. Luke, like all the New Testament authors, wrote in Greek. But the Greek that Luke wrote with was a stylistic and sophisticated Greek that read like Shakespeare or Hemingway in his day. Luke was a polished, articulate, and intelligent man. But perhaps the verse which sheds more light on his character than any other is 2 Timothy 4.11. Paul's writing this letter from a Roman jail. He's waiting to be killed. It's likely Paul's last letter he ever wrote. And here's what he has to say about his situation. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Did you catch that? Only Luke is with me. Some had left the faith. Some had fled for their lives. Some for the comforts of home. Some for ministry endeavors elsewhere. But whatever the reason, only Dr. Luke was left with Paul, 
visiting him day after day in that wretched Roman prison. But that's the kind of man Luke was. Luke had been through a lot with Paul. He was with him on his second missionary trip. He heard Paul preach in Athens on Mars Hill. He was with Paul on his third missionary trip. He was there when Paul raised Eutychus from the dead during the first fatal sermon sleeping session ever. He was shipwrecked with Paul on the way to Rome, and he wasn't about to leave him now. You can imagine that it was in these last days together that Luke and Paul reminisced amidst the rats and roaches of that dark prison about the times that had been, the things they had seen God do. Those memories of the power of God would have lit the darkness of that cell. Maybe they wondered why God didn't send another earthquake to shake the cell open like he did in Philippi years before. I don't know. But I do know this. Dr. Luke was a remarkable man. No, more accurately, Dr. Luke's life was orchestrated by a remarkable God. How many doctors do you know who are willing to leave lucrative careers, which they've worked their whole lives for, for what? The prospect of spending their later years beaten, abused, shipwrecked, and alone, instead of enjoying the luxuries of their retirement in some tropical paradise. But we don't have to look even as far as the doctors, no. We can look at the farmers, the teachers, the homemakers, yes, even the preachers. How many of us are willing to drop what we are contented and happy doing to venture into the unknown only because God wants us to go there. There's a great old hymn with these words in it. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, or mountain or plain or sea. I sang that song, you know, many years ago at my ordination service. And some of you may have sung it in your churches over the years. But do we really mean it? I don't know if Dr. Luke ever sang a song like that. But he did something more important. He lived it out. I will go where you want me to go, dear Lord, over mountain or plain or sea. That's Dr. Luke's life in a nutshell. It's funny, you know, how sometimes you get encouragement in some of the least expected places, even a Roman prison cell. I don't know what God's call is on your individual life. He may not be calling you away from the familiar and comfortable to somewhere else, but he may be. When God calls us somewhere, whether it's to a new place or to a new area of ministry, we are always given the choice to say yes or no. Abraham, the successful farmer and rancher that he was, he could have stayed in Haran and said no to God's call on his life. The prophet Jonah heard the call to Nineveh, but he ran the other way. Dr. Luke could have kept on seeing patience instead of embarking on the Lord's adventure for his life. You know, the Lord Jesus, he won't force you to follow his call. But if you do, your life will be filled with a deep sense of peace and contentment, excitement and adventure, along with the inevitable persecutions. If you say no to his call, the external comforts, they may remain. But the unease that comes from living with your disobedience will ultimately end up consuming you with regret. How many of you have known at some point in your life that God was calling you to do something or be somewhere, but you said no? Remember that time right now. Remember those times right now as you're listening. 
Those times are things that will never stop consuming you, friend, until you bring your disobedience to the Lord and ask Him to deal with it and give you another opportunity for obedience. And you know what? When you do do that, when you do repent and ask for another chance, Jesus will give it to you. That's the good news of the gospel. It's the good news of grace today. So I urge you today to listen to the voice of God as He places a call on your life today, as He reminds you perhaps of a call that He had placed long ago and that you haven't walked out yet. And I urge you today to follow the example of Dr. Luke and eagerly and enthusiastically follow that call. Oh, lover of God, what more shall I say? Well, Luke had a lot to say to his friend, Theophilus. And I'll end with this today. He writes, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. You know, Acts was not initially addressed to us. It was written from Luke to his friend, Theophilus. Now, in Luke 1, verse 3, Luke calls him, most excellent Theophilus, indicating that he was a Roman official of high rank. I must confess, we don't know much about this man. He may have been someone Luke helped win to the Lord. He may have helped underwrite some of the costs of publishing and copying Luke's two books so that they could be given to other churches. But the truth is, we don't know a whole lot about Theophilus. But I do know this. I know this for sure. His name literally means in Greek, lover of God. And that's appropriate, isn't it? It's appropriate because symbolically that tells me that this book of power, this book of beginnings, this book of acts is written for you and for me and for all the other Theophiluses out there in the world, for everyone who is a lover of God. So lover of God what more shall I say to you today? Only this, that the two chief reasons why we aren't following God's call on our lives is because, firstly, we don't have ears to hear what that call is, and secondly, because we have too much fear to trust God and follow His call. In short, we aren't good enough listeners, and we don't go know God well enough to realize that in everything, I said, in everything, the Bible says in everything, that God loves us and He wants our best, and that means following God's call. God can deal, and God wants to deal with both of these things in your life today. Let me pray right now that Jesus would do those things in your life today. Lord Jesus. Please work powerfully in the hearts of my listeners right now. I pray that you would help them to hear your voice more clearly than they've ever heard it before. That they would be able to discern your call in their lives with clarity. And then, once they have heard your call, I pray that you would give them the will and desire to eagerly and joyfully and enthusiastically follow that call in their lives to wherever it may take them. Thank you, Jesus, for doing this great work in my listeners today. Amen. Hang on for the ride, folks. The book of Acts is a roller coaster full of excitement, fun, and power as we see the Holy Spirit take charge of the lives of regular people like you and I and use them to turn the world upside down. 
or better yet, right side up for Jesus. Oh, that you would do that in our lives, Lord. Oh, that we would let you. Have a blessed day in Jesus, friends. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. For more information regarding Wagner Ministries International, go to wagnerministries.org. And if you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at wagnerministries.org. God bless.